0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is March 29th. Today, we're gonna to continue in Exodus chapter seven. Yesterday, we touched on, but we didn't get the opportunity to talk a lot about verse four. And I think that there's a principle that's in there that's really important for us to understand, especially as we enter into talking about these plagues that are gonna come on Egypt. Verse four says, but Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt. Now, a better translation there is, but if Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, then I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. Now, the thing that I think is important that we understand and the thing that's important that we recognize here is that Egypt is about to be hit with some big time trials, some big time difficulties as these plagues come into Egypt. Now, it would be easy sometimes to look at these plagues or to look at bad things that happen and say, well, God is making those things happen. God is making bad things come into the, the lives of these people. In fact, that's a question that sometimes we hear often. If God is a loving God, then why does he have these bad things happen to good people? But as we try to understand this, I think that it's important that we look at another story from the Book of Mormon. In Alma chapter 14, remember Alma and Amulek are teaching and they're preaching and all the believers are being killed because of their belief in the true God. And as Alma and Amulek are watching the murder essentially of these people, Amulek turns to Alma and he says, stretch forth your hand and stop what is going on. And listen to what Alma says, because it's going to teach us something really interesting about why these plagues are going to come and the purpose behind them. Alma says, "...the Spirit constraineth me that I must not stretch forth mine hand. For behold, the Lord receiveth them up unto himself in glory, and he doth suffer that they may do this thing, or that the people may do this thing unto them according to the hardness of their hearts." that the judgments which he shall exercise upon them in his wrath may be just, and the blood of the innocent shall stand as a witness against them. Now, Moses and Aaron have already come to the Pharaoh once, and they've said, let my people go, he's rejected them. They've now come twice, let my people go, he's rejected them. Now we're going to see the ten plagues. So ten more times that Pharaoh has the opportunity to let the people of Israel go. Ten opportunities for him to see God, know who he is, and soften his heart. And he's not going to listen to any of them. And God is allowing this, all these ten things, so that when Pharaoh continues to harden his heart and continues to refuse to let the people of Israel go, which God knows he's going to do, then his judgments will be just against Pharaoh. He has given him all of these opportunities to repent, to change his mind, to soften his heart, and he allows these plagues to happen, not as a punishment to Pharaoh, not as a punishment to the people of Egypt, but so that when it comes time for the judgment of Pharaoh, that harsh judgment will be just because he's had every single opportunity to see the hand of the Lord and hasn't taken any of them. In fact, with every single plague, he hardens his heart more. I'm not sure if that made sense, but it makes sense in my mind and I felt like it was important to kind of talk about or to explain. So now let's continue on because it's important right after this happens is the experience where Aaron throws down the staff, it turns into a snake, but Pharaoh can't see the truth as it is because remember, Pharaoh doesn't know God. It reminds me of Laman and Lemuel. They couldn't be converted because of the things that they saw or the miracles that they experienced or the angels that they saw because they saw the things of God as an inconvenience to them. And they murmured against God and they were quick to anger because, as it explains in 1 Nephi 2, they knew not the dealings of that God who had created them. So they were similar to Pharaoh in this. Pharaoh didn't know God. And even though Laman and Lemuel had been taught About God, and even though they knew about God, they didn't know Him. They didn't understand His dealings. They didn't understand His love. They didn't understand His workings among the children of men. And my friends, I think that this is an important lesson for each of us as we seek conversion to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to God. It's so important that our conversion has to include a knowledge of God. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him, his desires, his attributes, his loves, his dealings. And as we study these plagues, let's reframe it a little bit. Because remember what we talked about earlier, God isn't trying to punish Pharaoh or the Egyptians. He's trying to teach them about who he is and trying to teach them about his power. And he's trying to give them every single chance so that in the end, his judgment will be just. Now, when it comes to the plagues, there are kind of two schools of thought. The first is that all of these things that happen, the water turning to blood, the lice, the frogs, all of that is just a natural phenomena that was going to happen anyway, but that God just controlled the timing of it so that Moses could use these things to teach the Pharaoh. Science has been trying to explain these things for years. They've talked about red algae bloom. They've talked about a possible volcanic eruption that happened a ways away and that changed climate, and so it changed... The bugs and it changed the frogs and it changed the waters. And maybe that's true. I don't know. But because of how precise each plague was, it's my belief that the power of God, not just the hand of God, played a part in each one of these plagues. Because each plague is going to attack a very specific Egyptian god in an attempt to show Egypt that the god of the Hebrews is more powerful than than the gods that they have created. So let's talk about this first one. In Exodus chapter seven, verse 19, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying to Aaron, Take thy rod and stretch out thy hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in the vessels of wood and in the vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded. So here in this plague, water, especially the river and the Nile, is turned to blood. This is interesting because the Egyptians had a god, and it was one of their main gods called Happy. And that was the god of the Nile. And so here, as God is saying, let my people go, the Hebrews need to leave They need to worship me, the one true God. The very first thing that God does is plague or spoil the Nile or the representation of the God of the Nile, saying, look, the God of the Hebrews is more powerful and more mighty than the God of the Nile. And maybe it goes beyond this. I like to think that this was kind of a reckoning moment for God to the Pharaoh, because remember the Pharaoh, in order to... Continue to oppress the Hebrew people, he decided that the first male born of all the Hebrews would be killed by being cast into the Nile. And so perhaps this was also symbolic from the Lord to the Pharaoh saying, the blood of all of those Hebrew men that you cast into the Nile is now upon you and upon your hands. The blood of all the Hebrews that have been shed by your oppression is now on you. I love how purposeful the Lord is here. It's not coincidence, it's not random, but there is reason behind each one of these plagues to teach the Pharaoh, to teach the Egyptians the power and the strength of the God of the Hebrews. My friends, in your life, as you experience the deliverance of an almighty God, be quick to see the purposes in how he is trying to deliver us. He is not a God of coincidence. He is a God of specific, very intentional deliverance. Elder Maxwell once said, coincidence is not an appropriate word to describe the workings of an omniscient God. He does not do things by coincidence, but by divine design. My friends, as we approach the Lord, As we come to try to know God and not just know about Him, we can better understand who He is. We can better know Him as we see His hand working by divine design in our lives and as we eliminate the idea of coincidence from our minds. It is my testimony that our God is an intentional God of divine design that in everything that he does, that in his hand in your life, there is purpose, there is reason. And as we come to better see it, and as we strive to better understand it, we will be able to better know him. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Doves, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.